Hey everyone, just wanted to uh, maybe share a few words uh, before you uh, listen to this week's episode. Uh, we previously recorded this uh, interview with Grant uh, earlier in the week, I think we did it Tuesday, um, and it's now Thursday. Uh, unfortunately, we had some very, very unfortunate and sad news yesterday of the passing of Scott McDonald and Stan Hales uh, in Union City, Tennessee. Um, wanted just to talk a little bit about that. First of all, I want to dedicate this episode of Fleckel Shit to both of them. Uh, my heart goes out to uh, their friends and family and and everybody that knows them. Uh, it's a really sad and tragic loss for both of them. Um, I did not know Stan, uh, but I knew Scott. And, uh, uh, you know, both were really great guys. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about Stan. And, and Scott was a fantastic human being, good pilot, good stick. And it just... Uh, Wanted to, you know, maybe just highlight uh, some things to think about as we uh, hop in the cockpit and 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 throw the straps on and go fly and do aerobatics and do this this uh, passion, hobby, uh, job, profession, um, obsession, whatever you want to call it, what have you, um, you know, whatever whatever label you want to put on it. When we do it, uh, you know, just to stay safe out there and and make make good sound choices and. Um, I'm not here to speculate on anything that happened, and and uh, certainly um, uh, is not the time and place for that. There will uh, that'll come out in due time, but uh, just want everybody to be safe out there. And, and this is a good reminder that uh, we we really take we we take the people around us for granted, um, our fellow pilots and friends and coaches and mentors. Uh, we really do tend to take that for granted sometimes. And when an accident like this happens, you just don't expect to hear uh, names that you know or or people that you know. Or um, it's it's just uh it's gutting it's absolutely gutting and so uh just a good uh you know uh in this tragedy use it as a reminder to uh just really be safe out there hug your uh, your fellow pilots and your loved ones and uh absolutely fly safe and this uh this episode is dedicated to both of them and and uh we wish you blue skies this week's episode is brought to you by lift aviation they're a fantastic company that supports us on the podcast uh, they support uh, aerobatics in general, a lot of aerobatic contests, air racing, stole. What else? What else? What are we looking at? Warbirds, um, air show pilots, the whole gambit of aviation is covered. General aviation, flight training, lift aviation has you covered. And we're uh, super thankful for the support that they give. Go to liftaviationusa.com. Use promo code FLYCOOLSHIT at checkout for most items on the website. Jeff and I both use the uh, Airbus shoes. We love them. It's my favorite flying shoe. We've talked a lot about shoes in the past, and it's the shoe that I've stuck with. It's one of my favorites. So check out the shoe line. Check out their shirts, knee boards, helmets. I still use the helmet. The AV-1 helmet's my favorite helmet. I've tried a, a bunch of them and stuck with the AV-1 over time. It's, it's a fantastic helmet. So check out their website. Go support them. Show them some love. They support us. They support you. And uh, we are super thankful to uh, have them on the team. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey, pilot, you're clear to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey, 
everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark. And I'm cold. I mean, I'm Jeff. <laughs> and I'm Grant. <laughs> What's up, Grant? Grant? Hey, guys. We've got Grant Nielsen on the podcast today. Um, and, and not only is Jeff, Jeff is so cold, his microphone stopped working. Again? Yeah, I think you're on AirPods. I honestly might as well just leave it. But I, yeah, I think uh, I think your your mic's DOA. I've got you. I can hear him. I can if hear I him, can... but like uh, he's he's much degraded quality. He doesn't sound as has as you know his beautiful Italian hipster. The the rich hipster voice is is impeded. I I thought maybe just Steve burned his uh, throat with some coffee this morning or something. I wasn't sure. <laughs> that happens every day. P- PSL injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this i can't work under these conditions there we go oh you sound you sound you sound like an angel now you sound like a cross between fergie and jesus right now yeah You're a i'm doing a bird. yoga uh, a coffee shop yoga pose to make sure that this thing works the whole time literally holding the thing up with my hand <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see but yeah. Uh, yeah grant you're back from uh las vegas which is literally right around the corner from gene from what we hear you know, you guys have been teasing. With, it's 22 <laughs> minutes from parking lot to parking lot. It wasn't bad at all. And, it's you know, minutes. the resort oh, really? out. Yeah, it's 22 minutes. Uh, and that's from. Oh, that's not bad. No. And that's from the South Point, which was the casino. So, you know, of course, everybody gets their room included with the entry fee. And that was at the South Point. So that's a little south of the strip. It's probably 15 or 20 minutes south yeah. of the strip. The strip the strip's like 45 minutes bad. away. Yeah. Yeah. From the strip. I mean, you could be uh, to the strip in 45 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's yeah. not bad. So, so no. they, they weren't lying when they said minutes from the strip. It's just 45 of those minutes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And in Pollard time, that's like four hours. Oh. Lose I, I you lose my attention at, at, at 22 minutes. I'm I'm out. Yeah, you're packing that's a lunch. Too far. Yeah. How can um, anybody that lives in NorCal complain about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you met Mark Pollard? <laughs> okay. Good point. Yes. I, I invent things to, to complain about. Um, yeah, <laughs> Grant, I'm 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 excited to have you on for for a multitude of reasons. Um, uh, one, it's way overdue. Two, you're such an awesome dude. Uh, you and and your uh, awesome wife, just a, a powerhouse air show family. Um, and I want to, I'm actually really curious about this because we've Jeff and I have talked about this on the podcast. This this kind of component of of you know. Uh, making sound decisions in the aerobatic world and you don't always see people make sound aerobatic decisions uh and, and things like that you 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 went to whack and you made a decision to not fly at whack and i'd love to actually get your take on that if you wouldn't mind um because yeah absolutely we've talked um, about jumping categories and, and and you know kind of people going from unlimited to advanced and that gets a that's a that's still got a bad stigma you know of like hey um you know look at the category that you should be flying or, Hey, I'm not ready for this. Maybe I'm going to bow out. We, those decisions, we seem to see overtraining or pushing right too hard. That that seems to be the norm. And I'd love to get your take on, on that kind of maybe walk people through how you ended up at WAC and then making that decision. Yeah. So for me, it was certainly an under training situation. Um, so I, I showed up at nationals. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, in uh september of 22 i took my cap uh to nationals and i flew and i was uh, uh fortunate enough to do some training with uh jim and olivier masserelle for a few days leading up to that which was a, a good experience you know olivier's um you know kind of a different level 
um, that yeah, I'm used to. He's okay. With. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does all right. <laughs> we've heard we've heard some good things. <laughs> right, right, and uh, so that was you know just a great experience and um, developed a relationship from a training standpoint with those guys a little bit. Um, at that time, Olivier mentioned to me that uh, the 330SC that I eventually bought was going to be coming for sale. And uh, we talked about it a little bit. And he said, well, you know, the engine's not good. It's making metal. Um, but if you could get the engine rebuilt, you know, that would be great. And I thought, well, I've got a 580 in the cap. You know, most caps, of course, have the 540s. But I uh, got with Jerry Cooper and we worked out a deal and he he got me a 580 to put in it. So I thought, oh, wow. Well, got a plug and play engine to go in the extra that would be kind of a no-brainer and so we worked out the deal i bought the extra uh in october of last year thinking okay it's going to take a little while when i bought the cap it was also from a french club the cap came from the midi pyrenees club in toulouse france and uh my new airplane the uh, extra came from the dijon voltage club and so okay. I thought, well, I've been through this before, not a big deal. And so set the wheels in motion, bought the airplane. Um, when I bought the cap, the sale and transfer was handled by the Midi Pyrenees Club. And one of the officers of that club is in the import export business. So he was like, oh, oh yeah, perfect. Worry about it. I'll take care of it. And watching it from afar, it was like, oh, this is easy. Well, then I tried doing it myself and it was terrible. So it was just headache, headache, dealing with the French government, trying to get export customs, which is, to me is weird, right? Customs is things coming into your country. <clears throat> in France, they have export customs. And trying to get the paperwork all figured out with that, uh, both on my end and from the club and get everything taken care of, was really difficult. So we actually didn't even get the airplane on U.S. shores until May. Uh, by the time we got the airplane uh, engine on it and the FAA paperwork, which again was back and forth back to the uh, Dijon Voltage Club to get uh, uh, some additional paperwork and some additional forms filled out. Um, it was it was terrible. So anyway, I, I got the airplane. We got uh, the Southeast or Extreme Aero uh, test pilot flew the first five hours off it. I got two flights in the pattern with it and took off to go to Nationals to train. <laughs> so uh, my first aerobatic flight was in the box uh, with Olivier and Jim watching me trying to figure oh, out. Wow. The and I hadn't flown any aerobatics for a year because I had taken the engine off the cap as soon as I started the process and uh, I needed to have the prop overhauled. So that went out for overhaul. So I hadn't touched an aerobatic airplane until a, a week before Nationals. So minor uh, details. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was not uh, where I wanted to be there. Well, um, sounds like excuses, Grant. They are. <laughs> My airplane's a piece of crap. Nobody could possibly fly it well. It's, it's absolutely the airplane's fault. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, I've been trying to sell mine for years. Nobody wants it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, there's, anyway, there's so many yeah. better airplanes out there. Yeah. So uh, uh, I talked to Olivier about it and he said, you don't Gen want Pro. the first uh, international uh, judge's appearance to be when you're substandard. He said, Think about withdrawing and see how you're flying. So I got a hold of the French team uh, who was renting my airplane. And they said, well, you're welcome to work with our coach, who was, of course, uh, Nicholas Ivanov, which was a fantastic opportunity. But I got out there. And uh, after watching those guys fly a little bit, it was just like, I'm not ready to do this properly. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to back off and they're going to rent my airplane. And uh, I will support them as much as I can with the airplane and support the U.S. team. And and that's what I did. So I made it. uh 
uh, a learning experience. And I learned a lot. It was a great experience still. Um, you know, if, I, if you were really going to support the U.S. team, you would have taken your own canopy and smashed it and not let them fly. But <laughs> I, I, you're not the first person to mention that. I've had a couple of people that mentioned, you know, if anything happens to your airplane, if there's any parts missing, they may just show up in a week or two. Uh, you know, mailbox is like, yeah, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. But, oh, that's funny. You know, it, it's funny. The two guys that rented my airplane, uh, uh, Vlad and Tommy, um, both flew the airplane in the Dijon Voltage Club. They're both from the club. And that was the deal. That was a big part of the reason I, I agreed to let them use it is they didn't just know SCs. They knew my airplane. They knew that airplane. Yeah. 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 They had, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of hours in my airplane or over 100 hours in my in my airplane. And, um, you know, they were just the the quality of pilots that I was very comfortable having used my airplane. Um, and we worked out a reciprocity agreement, right? So they use my airplane. Well, now I have access to their club airplanes. So if I go to France, if I go to any contest over there, uh, they're going to let me use their SC. So it, it oh, really awesome. out great for everybody, you know, all the way around. That's a that's a great partnership. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, um, that's a great agreement. Yeah, it, it worked out. The Dijon Voltage Club, I can't say enough about, you know, the FFA, the French Federation of Aeronautics or however that translates, uh, um, you know, they were good about it, but the Dijon Voltage Club uh, and the guys involved in the club were uh, both from a manage management standpoint and the pilots were fantastic to work with. I, I can't say enough about them. And yeah, they're, they're really cool. Too. That's great. Yeah, a good friend so, of mine to this day is, uh, was on, he's not with Dijon anymore. He's uh, doing his airline thing, but they it's a very professional club. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're they're obviously the proof is in the pudding. But um, it's, well, it's one of the more prestigious clubs in France, if I if if I recall. Uh, I mean, it's got a pretty good name attached to it. Yeah, it's talking to those guys. It was a huge learning experience. You know, um, I I found out they almost never fly in Dijon um, because of noise abatement rules. You know, so I talked to Tommy and uh, uh, and Vlad, and, and I think it was Vlad that said he did five camps last year. None of them were in Dijon. So where they live doesn't matter because they move around France uh, to share the noise, basically, and okay. to uh, distribute the, the noise. So even though they'll have a five or a seven day training camp, it's not at Dijon. They just move from airfield to airfield. Interesting. Now that provides a, a, a logistical challenge, you know, in and of itself. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's five. Weeks I mean, of France basically to go fly. Yeah. yeah. France is, is, is that's the other thing, too, with like, I think one of the the underlying issues with renting airplanes for whack that people are running into is, you know, I, for one, didn't want to fly, fly my airplane from New York to Vegas and put all that time on it because nobody's going to, you know, the renter is not going to pay an hourly fee to what, whatever it is, probably like eight hours, nine hours each way. Right. Um, it's, and I don't want to put that kind of time on my motor, to be honest with you. No, um, I agree. If I wasn't and, planning for flying it, I never would have rented them the airplane, but I was planning on being there to fly myself. Sure. Um, and once I made the commitment, even when I decided to withdraw, you know, I'm not going to leave those guys hanging. That that would be kind of a shit move. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm that was nice of you. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because like when you at, like at your guys's level, the way you fly and the way you train, uh, whether it's air show or contest, um, your flights are 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 short. So when you think about um, maybe 18 hours round trip of flight time, that's a significant amount of of time i mean it's yeah it's 18 hours 18 hours but 
um, the way you guys, I mean, that, that equates to a lot of flying and a lot of training that is eaten up by transit time. Basically, if you're looking at, you know, dollars in the tank and, and overhaul costs and things like that, but this is a significant yeah. cost. Absolutely. Yeah. For, for people that are on a budget. Absolutely. Um, you know, these things are, it's just, Brand knows better than me. I mean, you got two aerobatic planes now, right? <laughs> so, well, like... for the time being, yeah. Until the engine's overhauled, and uh, I, I sell the cap. Yeah, for the time being, yeah. Are you gonna wanna... sell the cap? Yeah. So the, as soon as the engine overhaul is done in the extra, and they're still talking twelve to fourteen weeks out on that. Uh, but once the overhaul is done on that, and I get the new uh, firewall forward, so I'm going to do a new prop and a, a, a new engine, new exhaust, all that fun stuff into the extra. Then I'll take the old engine, put it back in the cap, and sell it. Okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Are you sticking? Because we were talking about the four blade and everything like that. Are you gonna? Did you fly? Um, I'd love to get your perspective flying behind that because I never flew behind that four blade. It's a new, newish model compared to the uh, the late nineties uh, MTs. Yeah. Do you like that? Oh, compared uh, to the okay. three blade, you know, it's really quiet, which makes it sort of challenging for air shows. You know, for air shows, the louder you can get, the better. And the yeah. motors like that, the fans like that, all that. So it's probably not ideal for me. Um, thrust wise, you know, I talked to Doug Veda and he said, if you really throw them on a, a, a thrust meter, you know, throw them on a, a, you know, a scale behind it. He said, they're awful close to even the new wide cord, uh, MTs. Um, he said they're a little faster top end, a little less at, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, bottom end pull, you know, uh, uh, you know, max thrust at, at low air speeds, but he said, it's super, super tiny. Um, that, that was Veda's input. I don't, I, because I've never flown the extra with a different prop. Uh, I, I can't compare, um, Jim Burke has me on his insurance now. So I'm looking forward to getting out and playing, uh, with his a little bit and oh, nice. uh, getting to try a couple things there and his MX That's fun. and yeah, do, do a little bit of comparison. Um, we're talking probably April trying to get together and maybe doing, uh, some, some, uh, uh, you know, check out some different props and those things. He's doing a lot of prop research right now. Yeah. He's he's That's been doing that for like a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's been about a year and he just um his his uh 205 centimeter uh MT uh is in US shores but he hadn't taken possession as, as of the worlds. So when he gets that gets that put together and then he's going to do some back to back testing. Well, I have a 205 that I'm not going to use. So we we got to talk offline. Um yeah, Sounds good. I just I live in this high density area and the 198 that I have is screaming yeah. <laughs> so like putting oh, a, yeah. a 205 on <laughs> yeah you yeah, probably perfect. really benefit from a noise standpoint jeff yeah so but what exhaust are you running oh thank god i have the uh the stock exhaust but i had a it? um yeah i had a friend of mine who i will not mention um who had a thunderbolt 20 had a thunderbolt motor a 203 uh prop and a sky dynamics exhaust but like an earlier one that's <laughs> that has a bigger bell on it and that's when I was on the news and I took, I took the heat for it because it wasn't his, you know, I'll, I'll take the heat, but like, man, when he was flying, I was like, this is, you know, like when you're in those positions where you're like, this is not good. Yeah. This is not going to end. Well. So, that combo is so freaking loud. I mean, it's, it's, it's the loudest. It doesn't get loud. Yeah. When you hear echoes coming out, like when a motor is echoing, yeah. you know, off, off the, uh, anything off in the, the hillsides. Yeah, you're probably gonna have some noise complaints coming. <laughs> yeah, but it was if, it wasn't even like it was just loud. I'm like, oh man, I feel like complaining. <laughs> <laughs> when it fills the valley up, you know it's bad. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, we 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 got to talk about this to like some some national or SEBA judges, but there is a I think there is a little bit of a hindrance when you run those really crazy motors and props to it. I I could see some judges being like, Ugh. and does it affect scores? I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, having that. You no, know, there's there's always the conscious affecting and then the subconscious affecting, right? Even if the judges say, well, it's not a judging criteria, they're, you're human, right? And so yeah. things affect you. Yeah. yeah. But um, it sucks because I want to run a bigger prop. But I mean, if I want to, train consistently and and not have to deal with having you know my lawyer mr greenberg um on standby um i gotta i gotta go to a way that's that's just that's just well, what it is if you look but, at the europeans they've proven that the sc with a four blade prop can win whatever it needs to win right it's got the yep. performance to do it it does just yeah fine. yeah but i i gotta fly i never flown behind one so we'll see uh, I know you and I were talking about getting together and doing some cancer with Sergey. So um, yeah. I'm really pumped for that. And I'm, I'm really, I think that 24, knock on wood or knock on hemp, um, I think that 24 is going to be a really, really good year for everybody. I think it's going to be fun. I think we got to, you know, have the right mindset. And there's a lot of people, you know, coming up into advanced and unlimited now, which is really exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. The growth in advanced and limited the last few years and, and the quality of the growth, you know, it's not just people, you, you know, flying intermediate saying, oh, I'm going to go to advanced. There's a lot right. of people that are really ready to go fly and fly hard in those categories, which is, you know, especially unlimited. That's good to see because it's been a long time since there's been newcomers that are yeah. really ready to step in and challenge. Yeah. Do you think that 100%. this is a function of having, because I'm under the belief system that, that um, having um advanced worlds in the US when that announcement was made you saw you saw a real push from US pilots to try to get to the point of being able to uh either make the team at nationals or, and or fly advanced at nationals we saw a huge advanced field uh for the selection year um and i you know obviously we saw the team in full force uh at Gene Nevada i think several of those pilots are already eyeing or have already been working on unlimited figures and are working towards unlimited. Do you think that that push came from having advanced worlds in the U S because I, I kind of do. In part, absolutely. You know, I've talked to several of the advanced pilots. Um, um, so, you know, Mike Silliberti is great. He, it, he was able to do a world competition in his backyards. Um, and yes, he's been flying in, in unlimited and doing, you know, good and unlimited, no question about that, but he wanted to uh, step onto the world stage and having the ability to do that and get in front of the international uh, SEVA judges in your home turf is good. And he got a medal, Super right? Cool. He medaled at, at uh, uh, the WAC this year. So that's fantastic. And yeah, he flew uh, great. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of them are looking at stepping up to um, um, unlimited uh, and, and they deserve to, but I think um, also several of the pilots that were competing on the U S team this year um, made the decision and the commitment when it was announced that it would be in the U S because it's financially so much more attainable. I mean, yeah. even if you yeah. have to fly 18 hours round trip to get your airplane there, it's a lot cheaper than shape, shipping your airplane to, to France. Absolutely. And even logistically, yeah. um, it, it makes, you know, you're, you, I mean, Jeff, what is the time to, to, you know, to, to, to package an airplane up, create it, ship it, have it arrive, 
it's in it's in country, right? Whether wherever it's at, and then do it again and ship it back. You're, are you talking three yeah. months, two and a half months? Oh, I was going to say you're you're going to lose at best, and this is saying that nothing goes wrong with the airplane in the container. Yeah. yeah. Um, one way I would say that you know from start to finish, from taking the first screw off to putting to getting wheels up. I don't know, Grant. What do you? I think in at best two and a half months. Or maybe two months, actually. Sorry. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, if you two get months. Right, people doing it, it can be done a little faster. But again, there's the paperwork side, and I don't know about that because I was changing the registration on mine. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're looking at. Oh yeah, I mean, round trip. I would say at least three months, probably a lot longer than that. Probably four months. Oh, you yeah. mean with the worlds included? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like God. From from airplane leaving your hangar to airplane back in your hangar. Uh, oh, three months. Well, probably five yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah. At best, in a perfect world, three months. But, you know, like Grant's saying, I mean, AJ shipped his airplane in a trailer and did this whole thing, which is a whole other story. But it was um, he got held up at port and they wouldn't release it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can have That's issues right. like that. The best way to do it is, is obviously the most expensive way, which is to put it on an air, an airliner and, and, and go that route. Yeah. Um, but that's like, I think it's like 40 grand each way. Right. Grant. I don't even know the numbers there. Ash each way. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. What are we doing in this sport? Why couldn't we do like badminton? Why couldn't I love badminton? Yeah. Or like that pickleball or like that stupid sport that people bet on where where they're wearing like it looks like a giant fingernail and they're swinging the ball i don't even know what that's you lost me on that one no you know it's like a european thing or um and like espn ocho this is on the dojo or (laughs) (laughs) Um, no it's like they're wearing like a glove and it's got like this big curve on it and they're just winging this baseball looking thing and they oh, gotta like catch uh, it. Highlight. Highlight. Yeah. And they bet yeah. people bet like crazy money on it and shit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Why couldn't we do that sport? Anything but having to ship something that would cost 80 grand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this, Grant. You might For like uh, three hours of flying. <laughs> I, I obviously know that the US team um had uh help from the Air Force in the past, um, putting airplanes in the back of a C 17 or C five or whatever it was. Um, has there been any talks about chartering like a Coletta seven, four, obviously you'd have to still take the airplanes partially apart. Um, obviously the, the wings off, you know, mainly to, to get them probably in, but has there been talk of chartering something like that and just seeing what the cost would that be and having the, the team share that cost? Yeah, it's been looked into and it's still, I mean, really cost prohibitive. Okay. It's it's not, I mean, Red Bull did it for their guys. Um, and it, it was still taking them apart. Um, so Warren Sillers down in Florida here and uh, Tom Fitzgerald, who took my airplane apart in France to tra- uh, transport it, were both um, race techs for Red Bull teams. Yeah. And I talked to them about it and they were like, well, if you take the airplane apart, package it, ship it and take it apart and put it together, it can be incredibly quick. You know, I, I talked to Warren and he said, you know, if I went over to Europe and took your airplane apart and packed it and came over here, he said, I could have the airplane, you know, back together and flying in two days. And I believe yeah. him. Um, but yeah. the problem is if somebody, one guy takes it apart and other guys putting it together, that runs into a lot more. And then there's the uncontrolled stuff with the, like you said, it's held up in port. 
They want to do extra customs inspections. They don't like your paperwork, even though it's fine. There's just a lot of things that yep. can uh, uh, add a lot of delays. And they won't all go long, wrong, but odds are some of it's not going to go the way you hope. It. There's so many some, variables. Something will go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, right. There's the, yeah. Dinging an aileron, come, you know, taking the wing out. It's like it, there's all kinds of physical stuff that could happen to the airplane. And that's not it makes no mention of. Um, you know all the other things that are related yeah. to shipping and, and containering, and well, we can ask right now. Did did anything? Not going. I hope not. But did anything get damaged uh, when the plane uh, came over? Mine was perfect. Um, so like I said, Tom uh, Fitzgerald, who did a lot of the Red Bull shipping, um, took it together and containerized it over there. And he did. Uh, you know, when Southeast Arrow got it, they opened up the container and were like. This is five times better than any new extra we've ever had delivered. They said this this <laughs> packaging and the way that he's put it together is brilliant. And we're going to, you know, they took a ton of pictures and said, this is the blueprint we're following from now on. Wow. Oh, you so, got to post that or send came, it to us. Absolutely perfect. Uh, no problem at all. That's great. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's so good when things work out like that. Well, um, even when uh, the partner in my airplane ground looped it and we had Ray uh, Maxim from Ray's Aviation come up and dismantle it and, and, and create it. Um, it arrived. It, they packaged it. I saw pictures of it. They pick, packaged it fantastic, but it just had there. It, it received a few little little things here and there um, along the way. You know, just it's it, I, damn near impossible to prevent. So if you know, if you can, it's it's almost a miracle. Yeah. So you know, back to Gene uh, Nevada and and these worlds. Um, yeah. You know, obviously. Um, it, it was an interesting contest with the winds and everything like that and sending people up and sending them down. What do you think um, was the secret sauce to, to winning this contest? Like, what did you see um, the winning uh, individuals slash teams doing better or um, being no born in mistakes. France? Right. Being born in France, well, eating, okay. eating croissants before they fly. And, and I talked to the French team about that a lot. And one of the things that, um, you know, from a mindset standpoint, um, you know, Tommy, when I put him on my insurance, he had 230 hours total time when uh, uh, he <laughs> submitted the application. And I want everybody to, I want everybody, I, to, I I want everybody to understand what that means. You Tommy, know, everybody listening here, and he said, "Well, you have to re remember." That's that's you know eight hundred or a thousand coached flights. He yeah. said the only time I've been solo in an airplane is to get my private pilot's license. You know when I had to do my my solo work for my private. Other than that, I've either had an instructor in the front seat of an extra, or I've been on the ground with two cameras in the airplane. Usually somebody on the ground videotaping me. Always a coach on the ground. And he said we're never allowed to form any bad habits. You know, so so from the time they go start rolling into a 60 degree bank, nope, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it too slow. You're not establishing the bank before you pull whatever, but they never get any bad habits. And by never having ever having any bad habits, they never come out because there aren't any bad habits. And I think that's enormous. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd go out to the judges line with the French team and watch the other French pilots fly and watch them critiquing and the things that they were like, Ooh, look what, Oh no. And it was like, wow, that's what you're getting worked up about. But that is yeah. what the, as we're eating hot dogs about. and pretzels, like what? Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. And you look at some of the guys on the French team, you know, they're, they're, they don't eat at all. That's why they all, you know, 
weigh 120 pounds and, you know, there's zero ballast <laughs> tank of fuel. And, you know, their basic operator, their, their, their takeoff weight in that airplane is, well, they've got very good performance. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, but no, I think the, you know, the, the, the big thing that they do is they don't make mistakes. You know, they don't screw up. There's no low calls. They fly high. They fly in front of the judges. Say what you want about, is that the best way to present? But it certainly works. Um, the Romanians are obviously following their playbook, but the Romanians are doing the same thing. They've got um, the national commitment from the government. So they've got a large, I've been told, multi-million dollar budget on top of- I heard three million. Yeah, I heard that number too. Uh, and that's yeah. on top of having the airplanes purchased for them and the uh, airfields to go train at multiple airfields with multiple clubs to go train at. And yeah, so they've, they've got a pretty good setup. Going. I think in, in, Amazing. in four or five years, Romania, or even less, I think in four or five years, Romania and unlimited is going to be, um, uh, gosh, competitive isn't even the right word. I think they're, they're, What's the word you would use to describe that? Like, um, well, they're going to be co-dominant with France. I mean, they're they're right up. Yeah, there. Romania is no right joke. There. Yeah. What do you think? I'm right on that grant. Probably four or five years in the in limited. They they're still growing that that the uh, yeah, upper probably. category. You know, uh, I was talking to the uh, French team manager, and uh, he said, you know, they always want their guys in advanced for at least two years, somewhere between two or four years before they let them move up to unlimited. Sometimes they'll make exceptions, but usually they want the experience in in advance. And what what the keeps Romanian guys have been there for a couple of years? So I think, yeah, I, I think they'll absolutely be there. I'm assuming they're kind of, you know, following the French the French lead. That's another What's interesting the, thing. The because... footsteps of a pilot, like a French a French pilot in advance, because I've seen that phenomenal uh, advanced pilots, and then they make they spend like a half a year or a year in the French Unlimited, and then. I don't know if it's career or family. Do you know what? And then they they're gone. Um, do you you know what I'm talking about, Grant? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um like is there a lifespan on them? Um I don't know any of the details of that. Um, but yeah. I know that um, you know, we all have this this image of the unlimited budget, the French Air Force paying for all of it. That's only the Army de la Air pilots. And so, you know, right. there's only what three of those or four of those. So they've got two airplanes and four pilots that uh, are are part of that group, and and some of those were, um, you know, flew for the national clubs before they even joined the air force. You know, so some of the guys in the Army de l'Air were advanced level world champions, oh, right. level pilots before they joined the military. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. But you know, that's a small percentage of it. If you look at all the clubs and everybody that's out there and the training with the clubs. They've just got the opportunities to do that, but they still have to live a life. They still have to, you know, put food on the table. They still have to do whatever they do. Yeah. And, you know, there's spread that, you know, Vlad is a triple seven right seater for air France. So his schedule is tough. And, um, you know, there's, as he kind of put it, there's sort of three pillars. There's the professional, there's the hobbies, which is aerobatics and there's the personal life. And he said, I just have thrown out my personal life because I want to pursue the other two. And yeah. but that's the only way. But at some point, he's going to meet a beautiful girl and he's going to want to spend some more time with her. And, you know, something's going to give one way or another. And it's probably not going to be the airline career. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, 
Tommy is a mechanic. Uh, I think he said he was a class C or a group C. I don't know. They don't have A and P's and IAs. They have different names for him, but he's right. kind of in management for a big um, um, jet overhaul shop uh, in France. And so he, he does a lot of that. And so he's very aviation oriented, but he still has a full-time job. You know, he's still working 40 hours a week and doing that. And so he can't really commit to, it, it's not his full-time gig. So I guess what I'm trying to say yeah. is going from advanced as you're learning right now, uh, going from advanced to unlimited is a big step. Dude, and, it's a fucking leap. And they have an intermediate in France. They have the excellence class. Mm -hmm. um, so they kind of have an intermediate in there, but there's a lot to it. And I get it. You know, somebody has been doing this for seven or eight years and been really successful. And now they step up to unlimited and it's way more work for very little recognition and very little success at first, yeah. probably. And boy, it's pretty easy to take a vacation and go to the South of France with <laughs> your kid instead of going to yeah. a 10 day training camp. Right. It's humbling. I think like amongst a lot of things but the first thought to me was you know getting into is like it was so frustrating because the sc is just it's such an incredibly capable airplane and when you can't make it do something that you're trying to make it do it's just it's humbling and it's it's frustrating and you know it's like i think you can you can attest to this grant like when you move up into a category it's it's again it's frustrating in the beginning but there's a moment or there's a time where it starts clicking a little bit and then that kind of like feeds the fire and then you, then you move forward from there, but getting to that first hurdle of letting a couple things click, you know, new, new figures say, or whatever, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, yeah, it's, and it's yeah, it makes you want to go to the South of France, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, we, uh, uh, so I don't know any personal details of anybody, but, I certainly understand how it could be a choice. You know, it's not necessarily the team saying, oh, you're not welcome here. It's, I don't know if this is how I want to live my life anymore. And and that's yeah. reasonable. Comes work. Yeah. It's a life commitment for sure. Yeah. You know, do you think those categories? Do you think that the U.S. having so many different types of aircraft flying in the competition um, hurt them? And to, and to what level? Uh, no, I think it helped them. But the reason I think it helped them is in the U S you know, look how scattered we are. We've got, uh, people from all over the country that are trying to get together for camps and trying to be able to afford an airplane and afford the insurance on it and keep fuel in it and keep the maintenance done on it. Um, I think the diversity is what lets that happen. Um, I meant like from a judging perspective. Oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, the uh, it's interesting, right? It is. The small airplanes it, got hammered in this contest, it seemed like. Oh, uh, well, that's yeah, kind of like, yeah. Maybe. Like, um, but you know, I um there was a lot of SCs that got poor scores, and there's a lot of SCs that got great scores. And you yeah, know, yeah. look at the Sukhoi, I think most of the judges there have uh had enough experience where they've seen Sukhoi's flown um well they know what they present like you know the panzel is more of an american beast but they really made a lot of uh uh appearances in world competitions in europe you know the panzels are are pretty well known and they you know they present well i think they look good yeah uh, you know there was only one cap there and that did uh pretty well but again it's uh that was a really interesting cap it had a lot of cool modifications
Oh yeah, what was up with that thing? That it, it looked amazing. I've that's like one of my bucket list airplanes. Yeah, um, so that's one of uh, Nick Ivanov's old Red Bull Air Race planes. Remember when they first started? He was racing uh, Cap, so that's his old. Oh, the plane. orange one. No, uh, was no, orange no, at one point? Orange. This was like the first two years of Red Bull when they first started the races. It, I think it was still pink then. Okay. Oh God, that was his airplane. What um, what got, what was on it that was different? Well, it's got a uh, parallel valve five forty. So it's they dropped oh, probably super 50 light. pounds off the weight of the nose of the thing, which is weird because caps are so tail heavy to begin with. Yeah. Um, so it, it's got that that light engine, you know, they probably dropped what is it, 45, 48 pounds just by going to something the, like that, yeah. Whatever wow. else they did. Um and I think they said that they had uh, a couple of fuel system uh upgrades. They made some changes to the fuel system in it, um, which would be fine for a cap. There, there's room for improvement there. It's funny. Everybody who has a cap, you talk to Chapman, you talk to Robert Armstrong, and they all talk about, yeah, they got this weird fueled system, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna convert it all to standard stuff. It's just it hasn't been <laughs> enough to do it. So nobody's ever done it. Everybody <laughs> about it, but it's never been bad enough to make it worth uh, actually. Changing. Never broken enough. That's right, great. Right. <laughs> oh my god. What um, is that? What is, is that the fuel setup like on that airplane? Well, the, the weird thing is, uh, so it comes out of the tank metric, um, hard aluminum lines running down to the fuel selectors. So from the wings and from the, the main tank to the fuel selector. But then, of course, that's standard. So they have to change it to AN fittings. So there's converters that go to AN fitting to go through that. Then they go back to hardwired to go up and through the firewall. And then, of course, they have to convert it back to AN fittings again to go in and so it's just a weird just you know complex for no reason yeah kind of it, it could be simpler i think yeah, yeah. interesting is that a um, club plane that jeremy was flying no no that's uh uh nope that's privately owned so okay. it's a group but it's not it's not attached to like the dijon voltage or the midi pyrenees there's a few guys that fly it but it's uh it's not a uh a nationally supported club plane gotcha. so like blackhawk right blackhawk is a club if you will or a group but they're not nationally supported they're that's a private team yeah i gotcha i i've always been like you know it's not a bad idea to try to go after sponsors even if it, you, you swing and a miss I just I'm so bad at it, but it'd be nice to to get a little bit of shit, you know, covered. Um, it's not to be negative, but it's expensive. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah, to yeah. absorb some of those costs that way. Mark, do you want to sponsor me? Sure. Me so, too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, great. Sure. You guys Done. all get a fly cool shit sticker on your wheel pant. <laughs> I like it. And and six dollars. Um so what were your thoughts for the for for your time at WAC uh, in terms of the contest itself? Um, obviously, you know there was there was weather, you know meteorological challenges, uh, environmental challenges, um, logistical challenges, maybe. But um, what were your overall thoughts in terms of uh, Gene Nevada time of year? Um, not necessarily how smooth the contest went or didn't, but overall, just operation of the contest. What were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's uh, it's all stuff that's been brought up before. It would have been uh, great to have been someplace where there were hangers, but it was it was better being there than I expected it to be. Once I got there, it was windy for three days. But keep in mind, the SEVA limits are really low. 
Yeah. It's like 24 knots. Yeah, like 24 knots. So, and then there's a separate cross box uh, limit also. So, you know, it's um, the wind doesn't have to be that high for him to start canceling flights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, everybody was taping up uh, and and keeping all the the sand out of uh, all their intakes. But um, yeah, we did a couple nights. We just, uh, uh, you know, the uh, fuel injection intake we covered up. But oh, yeah, the breather. Yeah, yeah, but what what else are you going to do? I mean, I, I wasn't worried about air coming into the cooling system, you know, just blowing in. And there wasn't that much sand. It wasn't uh, it wasn't that bad. I would have loved to have had a hangar more for the comfort of working on the airplane and, you know, cha- doing the oil change and doing that kind of stuff. But it certainly wasn't uh, wasn't terrible. Um, yeah, a little more infrastructure at the airport would have been good, but I don't know where we would have went. And as far as, yeah, we lost two and a half days. I don't know where, okay, in Gene, it was the wind, but yeah, somewhere else it would have been low clouds, somewhere else it would have been, you know, rain, somewhere else it would have been. So I, I don't know where you would have been. That and you can't, you can't predict weeks, that. You're stuff. not going to have two and a half days. Yeah. That's fair. I, for one, I wish it would have been, uh, I don't get this whole weird rule with Siva and not being able to live stream it because, man, that would have been fun to watch. Um, and there's a lot of pilots. And I don't and... know the details of it. I agree 100%. And my suspicion is what they're really saying is they aren't going to live stream using the official video, right? right? So they videotaped every flight. They have all that. Yeah. But what they're, I think what they're, and this is just Grant's interpretation of it, and I might be 100% off, but I think what they're just saying is, no, this is for us to evaluate the flights, to look for zeros, to negate zeros if they actually oh i thought that they wouldn't weren't allowing like uh like say um i don't think if 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 somebody wanted to hire forrest fox to go sit on the ramp and videotape they couldn't stop him but who's gonna look interesting i I was right no i I agree um, the financial part well i was told from nationals that forrest does it because he's already there videotaping the flights. And so we're using the same competition and review flights right. to live stream. Siva doesn't want that, that done. I think if somebody wanted to chip in and actually come up with the financing and hire a videographer to go out there, I mean, it's yeah. zero land management it controls that land. They can't tell you, you can't put up a tripod a tripod and start broadcasting stuff, right? That's a, yeah. that's kind of what we had thought. But um, when I had asked, um, it was that Siva does not allow live feeds of its flights what to what context and what legal um implication that has i don't know but like um when i think i had i think we had talked to jim about it and it was like no it's not going to happen i thought we had talked to jim about that but well maybe i think grant opened up a great door because i maybe it was just misinterpreted in terms of um siva's involvement um but yeah i mean that's something to think about um i just think it'd be great yeah no, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was great flying out there all the way around, and um, even if I, they rip off like some of the some of the flights that they've recorded, like I would have no problem if they sent us like say, well, it sucked because we there would be no like ground interviews at that point. But like you know, you you ever see that video grant from the '96 whack? It's online. I'll send it to you. Uh, the mm-hmm. ESPN did it, and they did some you know interviews on the ground. They showed some flying. They showed the training camp. It was pretty neat. It was like an hour long. Well, did you but, ever um, see that uh, Daredevils of the Sky that Nova um, Nova yep. did? Uh, you know, Back a full hour on the 
the whack that never happened over in oh where was Le Havre, Le Havre, France. So, so it was Patty Wagstaff, Chapman, um, Goulian was just getting going. So he was just taking delivery of his Stodiker, and they went up to Michigan and got video of him at the first flight in his Stodiker. It's really cool, and that's got to be in that time frame. Um, where was, yeah, it's called is like that online? The Sky and it's, yeah, it's, it's Nova. You know the it's on YouTube. Nova show did a great documentary. Oh, I can't wait to watch this tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sit in, kids. We're watching Nova. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to educate you about what I want you to know about. Break out the laser disc. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. Oh shit. So what do you what? So we got to talk airplanes now. Um. You went. You had a Cap two thirty one EX, right? No, mine's a two thirty two. Two thirty two. Um. And now you're in ESC. So like, tell us about the trend. Not necessarily the transition, but pros and cons of each i've heard the cap is one of the nicest control harmony airplanes out there um yeah, and everybody loves flying a cap um they really need to put a cap tail on an extra is what they need to do um yeah um so the cap is phenomenal um with its tail authority and, and look at the rudder i mean look at just the sheer square inches on that rudder and you understand yeah. why and the elevator is yeah. sort of the same way. I mean, it's just super effective. And the elevator being, um, you know, forward and at the top of the fuselage, right in the center line of the thrust, um, you know, all that stuff helps it. It's in really clean air. Um, so the 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 tail group in the cap is unmatched, in my opinion. Um, having said that, there's a lot of great things in um, in the extra. And there's a reason. Well, here's why extra wins all the championships, in my opinion. It's because the French only use them and the French only use them because the French rules uh, for the Army de la Air and all their um, clubs say they have to be certified airplanes. So what other unlimited certified airplane is there? None other than the cap. But the cap factory burned down. So parts availability is pretty questionable, pretty sketch, even in Europe for them. Um, although, um, um, era aura arrow is, 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 um, does have a, a type certificate or it has the authority to make type certificated parts, uh, from oh, interesting. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and do all the fuselage repairs and all that kind of stuff. So that gives them an option, but it's still a little bit old. Did, did either of you guys ever read in, um, I think it was World Air Show News, the the ICAST magazine. Uh, they had an interview that David Martin did when he got the first SC. And he, was, I, I know the article you're talking about. I haven't yeah, read it though in a he while. About the progression of the 300 S, uh -huh. which was made to be lighter, right? It, it's a, a lighter 300 L for better performance, and yeah. then, and then the SHP, the 232, and. Everybody bought the 232s, right? Chapman bought them. Um, David Martin bought it. Uh, Goulian bought it. Everybody bought it. And David made a really telling point there. He said, the 300S will do everything that a Cap 232 will do. It's just the Cap 232 does it easier. That means you can focus on your sequence and focus on your flying uh, or, or focus on what you need to do next more than you have to focus on your flying because the airplane is going to do that so easily. Uh, or more easily than it would be in the 300s and he said that's the same thing that the sc did to step up on the the 232 the 232 and really the 300s will do 
just about everything that the SC will do. They're just a lot harder to do it in. But if you have one maneuver, go fly this one maneuver, the, the S will do just about everything. Um, but when you start putting 14 of them together into a sequence, yeah. it becomes overwhelming. And that's where the SC shines is the ailerons are so nice. The stopping feel, once you get them tuned in, oh, it's easy. Centering feel, it's it's amazing. Um, the ailerons make that airplane. The the cap has some advantages. Slow fleet, speed flight, um, which helps you stay in the box. You know, um, the extra you kind of need some speed in to do a, a good snap. Um, boy, the cap you can be down there, eighty knots. It's happy flicking all day long. Uh, wow. the, the cap's just really happy flying slow. Yeah. Um, so it needs to be flown a little bit differently. Now the extra can be, um, watch Jeff Bourbon. Jeff Bourbon's really good <laughs> at flying. Yeah, he's better Jeff so, as, as we refer to him. Yeah. Better Jeff. Right. But he's yeah, his really freestyle is, he's one of the best, his freestyle for, what was that? 17 Jeff? Um, yeah. 14. Oh, was it 14? Oh my Lord. Or something Jesus. like that. Yeah. It was so beautiful. He's just on another level, dude. It's, it's feet, frustrating. It's, his slow flight, um, talent is is impressive in the sc is yeah unlike anything i've ever seen but i I think the cap's easier for that um but as far as an overall airplane the fuel system in the sc is phenomenal um just because having the two uh fuselage tanks um you know for me in the cap if i want to go up to the keystone uh uh box I either have to stop and make a fuel stop on the way up there or put wing tank fuel in, which means then I have to drain the wing tanks when I get up there, which is a huge logistics pain in the ass. You know, when I would go up and train with Nick Timothy for a day, it was just, I had to make a fuel stop on the way up there, you know, yeah. so yeah. that just adds an extra half hour to your flight up there every morning and yep. it's just a pain where having that large aerobatic tank capacity in the extra is really nice. It's faster, you know, it's 18 or 20 knots faster in cruise. Um, and it's so much more stable in cruise, you know, um, the caps like a pits are worse. I mean, you take your hand off the stick and it's doing its own thing right now in the extra, you get that trimmed out and it it, kind of stays where you leave it, which is very, um, you know, I'm used to the pits and the cap and it's like, yeah, the, the extra is really nice that way. Yeah. Did the French do anything to the airplane with P strip or anything, uh, when they, uh, borrowed it from you? Yeah, they put a couple pieces of P-strip in. Uh, what else? Of course, they adjusted the seats and the pedals for each of their pilots. Um, yeah. And, um, they changed the markings. You know, they wanted all the uh, uh, markings and meters, so they just put some tape in there and, you know, uh, drew next to the airspeed indicator because um, I converted it from from uh, meters and... and uh, oh, they had a, a meter altimeter in there? Yeah. they had you got it. There. So they, they did that. Um, yeah, they put a little bit of P-strip in uh, on each wing. Yeah. And that was really about it. How, how What was their seating position? I mean, I know it depends on, on height, but I'm curious what um, their seating positions are like, because it seems like they sit very forward in yes. the SEs. Yes. Um, even Vlad, who's taller than me, so I'm about six foot. He must be about six two. And okay. he was two notches, which is probably, what, three inches forward? Um, uh, on on the bottom of the seat, and then probably five inches farther forward on the top of the seat. So yeah, very yeah. far forward, and then the pedals back a little bit further than I I had them also. Yeah, I used to have my pedals up, but that was making me rub 
uh, with my calves on there. And yep. um, after that's why, again, it's so important. Anybody listening, um, you got just even if you're not flying, like, and Grant, you perfect example of this, like just showing up to like the worlds or you go to a nationals and you're around all these amazing pilots and what you can learn on the ground is it's you couldn't even put a dollar i mean you could no. it'd be thousands of dollars but yeah. you know you learn so much and and when You're i was at nationals you know i was hanging out with bourbon and looking at his airplane and his seating position i ended up changing my position and it's better it's a lot better so like you know um i and i think that will help the iac the sport whatever you want to call it um letting everybody know that you don't need an airplane. You don't even need to be a pilot. Just go and have fun and hang out and, le- and you just learn so much. I mean, I learned a lot from Jim. I got to meet Olivier. I got to hang out with you, Grant. Like it's so much fun. And, and the flying is as serious as you want to take it. Like I, I try to take my flying seriously, but in the air and on right. the ground, it's, you know, if you're able, I, I feel like I kind of pride myself on being able to, you know, flip a switch a little bit where I can, you know, um, take it very seriously and, and, and not joke around and, and realize the risk and, 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 and what have you, but you know, if you can turn that off and, and hang out, you meet the best people you can ever meet and you establish this. I mean, without aerobatics or competition aerobatics, um, I wouldn't have an eighth of the network I have right now. It's just, oh yeah, yeah. it's incredible. It's worldwide at this point. I mean, it's prestige worldwide. But, um, it's worldwide but yeah even with the podcast like mark and i like the amount of people that we've become friends with and known and like you know even my my friend from france who i mentioned a bunch of times vincent you know if um when that airplane came up for sale like it was like let me call him um i think aaron was looking at it or something like that so i told Aaron, like oh i know the guy was flying that airplane yep let me go uh, call him up like hey what's up you know what's up with the airplane blah 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 and he told me about the motor and this and that but you know with it's just, I can't say enough things about the sport and, and how grateful I am for, for the people I meet and, and, uh, and, you know, it's just, and it's fun too. And I, I really love it. Yeah. They're a fantastic group of people. And, and like you said, the amount of time, you know, Olivier and I spent, you know, a quarter of our time that he spent with me at the training camp was getting the airplane set up, you know, doing the, the, um, ergonomics of it. And yeah, let's try the seat farther forward. Let's try the seat farther back. Let's try the pedals farther back. And yeah. Do it those things and and that's another thing from the french team it's always the same so you know your calves run on the uh uh aileron actuator tubes right right so you always wear your flight suit and you always yep. wear your flight suit every time you fly whether it's 120 degrees or whether it's 45 degrees you wear your flight suit and you wear the same gloves and you wear the same headset and you you eliminate every single variable you can. So the only variables you have are more easy to control. And it's really, you know, watching the way they manage their team and the psychology behind it um, is, uh, is pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting to see up close. Yeah. Don't move the cheese. Yeah. (laughs) It was funny too, because I got these new seatbelts in too. And, um, you know, some of the things just don't work. So again, with I was hanging out with Bourbon and ish, I was looking at his seating position and sitting in his airplane and he actually has his ratchet on the bottom mm-hmm. as opposed to the top. And I'm like, oh, that kind of feels good. So I got the new belts in and I put the, and it just didn't work out. It was digging into my hip. Um, and, you know, I might actually go, who knows? But, you know, you have to try, every, like Olivier with you, like, let's try this, let's try that. And this guy I'm flying with in a, in a two-seater and training out, 
And um, we spent hours already on the ground on seating position. And, and I could see in his face, like, he's just not on board totally. He doesn't get it. Yeah. But, right. like, it, it works. And I'm like, well, just trust he me. Will. Like, he will when it, yeah. when it matters. You know, like, we we talked about this with, with Rob Holland. I, I got to say, that was probably a, of mind-blowing podcast uh, podcast episodes. Um, Rob talking about where to put the crotch strap on the top buckle of the of the hooker. Yeah. I get I still get messages about that. They're like, are you serious? That's how you're supposed to do it. And it's like, well, yeah. whether it is or it isn't, try it. And you know, that kind of stuff matters. And seating yeah. position, the harness, how the harness feels. Um, a new harness versus an old harness. I mean, we changed our hookers out in the extra um couple years uh, ago. New hookers and, suck, dude. There's yep. uh, breaking in a set of uh fresh hookers, breaking in a hooker. We're we're, we're doing horrible. we're hitting all the puns right now, but it, it actually is for real. Like, dude, a stiff stiff harness in the airplane sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. You try parachute, dude. Getting your parachute repacked and having the pair having it feel different, like all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. It actually does make a difference. It really does make a difference. And yeah. nobody talks about it. Nobody nobody spent time with me like sitting in the uh you know i really started flying uh the s2c was kind of like the first time i you know was really flying aerobatic serious and it's like no instructor sat down with me and was outside of the airplane with me inside the airplane i'm like okay let's see oh my god what, if what i know what i do now oh yeah it's it, it's yeah it's it goes to that kind of iq thing of like you can hop in a different airplane and and you can you can feel the dexterity and actually you know you move the stick you move the move the rudder pedals uh, and you kind of see what your what your knees hit, what your thighs hit, what your arms hit, your elbows, <laughs> and move yourself accordingly. Whereas back then, it's like you know, like why am why does my back hurt? Why am I uncomfortable? Where am I? Where are my legs? Yeah, from? and you just yeah. don't know. Yeah, and, and then it's frustrating, and then some guy comes over with two hundred hours and wins whack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Barely have a commercial <laughs> certificate. Yeah, he's not signed off to do cross country yet, but yeah, oh. yeah, <laughs> he's working on his night stuff. Yep. No, that's so funny. <laughs> but um, that just, you know, that just goes into the details. You know, it's the, yeah. the the details are a huge part of it, and it's hard for us. You know, we all grew up in the U.S. Put more gas through the carburetor, and you'll get better, yeah. and you will. Yeah, that's. But there's there's faster ways to get better than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. There's easier I, ways I, to get better than that. Yeah, it seems like the formula. Jeff and I were talking about this on the last podcast, and we've kind of said it a few times. But you know, um, obviously, um, the French, without a doubt, have the formula locked in. Um, that I don't know that there's a single thing they need to change. There, there's certainly nothing they are changing. That you know, they're evolving. I'm not saying they're not evolving, but um, they're not getting anything wrong. Uh, they have the formula for for the advanced and the, the unlimited side locked cold. Um, they get it right every single time. The proof is in the pudding. Every single year they win, um, and and the numbers they put up are are no joke, you know. And um, well, and I'll stand I don't by this grant. Like, I don't. I think we might be giving them a little too much credit because I think they copied the Soviet team a lot back when the Russians were playing it in the sixties yeah. and seventies. You no, know, okay. they're the ones that really got into it and said, "No, we need, uh, uh, you know, we need to address the mental aspect. We need to have the." Um, you know, every flight they would actually, uh, or I've heard stories, I was never there, but the, the, the team coaches would come up and debrief the airplane, the, the flight before they'd even let the pilot get out of the airplane. Yep. So yeah. they jump up and get on yep, the airplane debrief, in the seat. Yeah. debrief right now, sitting in the airplane doing that. So I think the Soviet slash Russian teams 
really pioneered a lot of that. I did hear that. Yeah. French just learned from it. And we did too. I mean, Morrissey, when he was uh, involved with importing some of the Sequoias and stuff, I think that's why, um, you know, John has been such a phenomenal coach is I think he stole a lot of the, the Soviet uh, training techniques too. Yeah. He went over there twice and like sat in on the camps and stuff. I I saw a video of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Like he did a home video, like VHS was epic. And uh, (laughs) what should we call it? But it was, you know, the other thing too is, and I agree with everything you're saying, everybody, everybody, everything everybody's saying, but the issue that they have over us is like the French team and, you know, with the Russian team is they had to produce. Otherwise they were gone. You know, you and I, if we don't fly good, it doesn't matter. We'll fly again tomorrow. There's no risk of losing that passion. There's no pressure. It's all self-imposed pressure, I guess is what I'll say. It's not that there's no pressure, but it's self-imposed. Tommy Dillard, if he's flying consistently crappy, I don't know necessarily how it works in that club, but I would assume that they'd be like, hey, man, why don't you drop back down to the extra 200 um, and hang out there for a while? You know, so there's pressure to do to do well and 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 get better. You know, it's it, it, like self-pressure, I guess, or self-motivation to to want to fly these machines that are being, you know, that they're given the opportunity to fly. Are you on board with that? Um. To some degree, um, but, you know, it's not like the Soviet team. You know, I talked to uh, Sergey and Nick about that a little bit. And, you know, that was literally their livelihood, right? They, they When they were on the Soviet team, if they didn't perform, there was a lot of people that wanted to be on the team and were trying to yeah. get <laughs> You know, that was a pretty good gig, and they knew they had a good gig. So they worked really hard at it. The French Army de la Air may be that way. I don't think the clubs are really that way. I think it's just a matter of, if you're not performing, you're not going to be invited to as many camps. And if you aren't going to as many camps, you're not going to be at that top level. And then if you're not at that top level, are you really enjoying it that much? So I think it's kind of a natural attrition thing, right. but it goes back to what we were talking about before the motivation, you know, do you want to spend five weeks of your vacation a year? I mean, for normal people, they don't even get five weeks of vacation a year, or a lot of people don't. So you're going to take five weeks of vacation every year to go sit at some remote airport um, doing nothing but aerobatic stuff, uh, no family, no nothing, just, you know, that's, you know, it's a level of commitment that's there. Um, yeah. has to be there to excel. Um, yeah, but I get that. The, the accessibility, right. They don't have to buy a $400,000 airplane. They don't have to pay for insurance. They don't have to pay for maintenance. They pay an hourly rate when they show up and fly it, which is a reasonable hourly rate. Um, you know, nobody's getting rich. The government's not trying to make money off of it. It's not like, uh, you know, so a lot larger percentage of their population has the accessibility to get in and try it and like it. And the people that like it and have an aptitude for it are naturally going to be groomed to uh, move up. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why their mentality of renting airplanes is a lot different than us. Like, you know, it's it's hard for them, you know, when their their culture is is all rental. You know, that's what they're. Oh yeah. That's what that's that's all they know. And then when they, you know, hear about the U.S. U.S. isn't renting airplanes. It's like, well, <laughs> well, uh, Francois, um, <laughs> I worked my ass off for this thing, and uh, maybe I want to fly it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's also culturally, it's incredibly different. Yeah. 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 The culture aspect and, of it is so different in in terms of you think about how much joy. I mean, granted, you guys both of you have put 
tremendous amount of blood, sweat, and tears into where you've uh, gotten so far, right? But you can also look back and, and think about the joy that you have derived from that. And it, obviously flying is amazing and we love it here. And like that passion that we kind of foster here or that is so well known in, in a lot of countries in the United States in terms of flying and the joy that we receive from it. I, I'm not saying that they don't enjoy it, but it's, it's certainly more that's it. I don't know that the, the foundation of the feelings that they get from flying are happiness and joy. It's, it's, it's probably more, um, a pragmatic approach to aerobatics and flying. It's, it's, I won't say it's a job, but it's certainly more of like a, it's a task to complete. And you are going to, um, go through these steps and, um, obviously you get joy in, in maybe the achievements. Um, but I think, uh, the forest through the trees and, and, and really enjoying flying for what it is, is something that, you know, I think it's probably more prevalent here than it is in some other countries. At least that'd be my guess. Yeah. Just watching how different teams operate. And I think that's a due to the access, you know, we just have so much more access to it that you can do it yeah. much more casually than you can in a lot of places. Yeah. Totally. And casually exactly is a great right. word for it. That's actually, the, that's the, yeah. that's the word I was looking for casually. I mean, it's yeah. It, the ability to, you know, walk over to a friend's hangar and go hop in a J three and, and fart around with your foot out the window or, or go hop in a, <laughs> you know, get a DC three type rating or, or, you know, we fly uh, a couple of us on the podcast fly jets pro- professionally for a living and uh, or get the ability to work hard and own an airplane. Like all those things are, are I won't say they're taken for granted, um, but it's like we don't really think about how crazy that is here. Yeah, uh, it comes a little relative. Country. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Well, then it becomes even harder because like we wish, it, you know, it's the grass is always greener, right? It's like we wish we had flying clubs here in the uh, United States. I mean, I wish we had flying clubs, aerobatic flying clubs, because I think it would make aerobatics more accessible. Um, but we also have that other side where uh, we have a lot of people that get to own airplanes and, and people do share those airplanes in uh, different ways. And we have access to flying in a more casual way. It's, you know, hey, it's not it's well, not I think all bad. Flying, I think that a lot of people that want the flying clubs have airplanes and it's not so much that they want it it's just they realize that it, it would be that that's what would increase the um talent within the sport and yeah. numbers and blah, blah blah but it's got if that's ever going to happen it's going to have to it's most likely going to have to come from somebody who has that you know earn for for wanting to fly and making it possible and, and maybe it is through a club and, and getting people together um for grant and i or and you like you know our time is limited and the time that we do have, we want to train and we want to get good. And, you know, it's it's just a matter of of how much, you know, water we got left in the glass uh, timing wise. So, like, you know, uh, and I don't know if I'm way off base here, but, you know, a flying club is something that can't easily be done. But I think it's possible. But, you know, it, it have to come from the people that are going to, um, you know, uh, what do you call that? Uh, not there has to be a component that. of like philanthropy in it right it's got to be somebody that that has the money the backing to put some airplanes yeah but it's the person that's got to find that philanthropist you know yeah yeah. that's what i'm saying um so when i right after i got my private i joined a flying club with the decathlon um it's up in minneapolis at flying cloud airport uh and 15 members uh, each owned a share of the airplane so there was no philanthropy it was just 15 people that wanted right Minneapolis was a big enough uh, um, population area where they were able to get 15 people that were willing to kick in the money. Uh, Out of those 15, there was probably six that flew it once or twice a year for a BFR, and that was about it. 
We had a wow. really good instructor that was uh, a member of the club, an aerobatic instructor, uh, for teaching all the basics and getting everybody tailwheel if they needed it and checked out for, um, you know, the basics of aerobatics. Uh, they let you rent it to go to, to contests. Uh, so, you know, uh, all my first contests were in that airplane with me and another club member or whoever just flying down to Chicago or going down to Nebraska or wherever and doing it. So there are clubs and it is uh, mm. feasible. The problem uh is you've got to be in a big metro area and a decathlon seemed to be the limit we we explored uh extra 200 nobody wanted to do it um i shouldn't say that people wanted to do it the insurance company didn't want to do it Interesting. Uh, and we looked at uh, a few other airplanes we looked at a cap 10 and the insurance company was on board with cap 10 but the the cost for the cap 10 for the performance increase over the decathlon we just couldn't justify um, yeah. but it, it is, it is doable, especially in the lower ranks. Um, now you get up into, uh, the insurance companies seem to have a big problem in the, uh, differentiation between a club and a partnership. So if you have four guys, maybe five, you can call it a partnership and get insurance in an airplane. You start talking 12 or 15, then it's a club and the whole insurance game's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, at least that was my experience when I was in the club and you know, that was, that's been years now, but uh, that that's what I was seeing at that time. But the clubs, I mean, let's face it. None of us fly an airplane enough to justify owning it ourselves other than as an ego trip thing. I mean, if you were just looking at the pure economics, you'd have three or four guys in an SC, each of them would be able to fly as much as they wanted. They'd be able to fly together, critique each other, videotape each other, do that stuff. Um, it would be a better format. There's just not the interest in the infrastructure to get it going because in the Minneapolis area now, I don't think there are four guys that are interested in throwing out a hundred grand a piece plus, uh, you know, all the expenses to keep the airplane going and insurance and all that to yeah. step into an SC. You know, it's just yeah. there's not that many people that want to do it. No. Do you think that well, it's it's overwhelming the startup cost for most people to even want to dabble in? Like they look at it on the outside and like go, yeah, gosh, I don't, I don't want to touch that with the ten foot pole. I'll, I'll go, yeah. you know, lease a vet at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it used to be every FBO at least had an aerobat or a decathlon or a satabria. Satabria, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you could go do a loop and a roll and a spin and a hammer, hammerhead and see if it made you sick or you loved it or something yeah. in between, right? Yeah. And, uh, but that's gone. You know, those days are Gambit Aviation in Chicago's uh, making a run at it and they're doing a pretty good job with it. And Jared's crushing it. Yeah. Tingle Whiskey yeah, you know, in the East Coast with Ruben's crushing it. It's, they're, they're far and few between. Yeah. It, it's really tough. And well, I even that, like the, to get a checkout, like this guy with the extra who I'm kind of just doing a favor for, you know, like he can't find anybody. He couldn't right. find anybody. Right. No. You know, for an extra checkout where it's an airplane that's got over a thousand units and yeah. and we're in a, a one of the most saturated areas in the United States and you can't find one. Anybody. My extra is the second. It's the, it's one of two extras on the West Coast right now that you can get dual in. That's that's pathetic and sad and unacceptable. Well, what is there? Six in the country. Of how many of what extras that you can get dual in? Probably. Uh, yeah, because Gambit has two. Uh, uh, Tango Whiskey now has one. 
Um, there's a North, there's a South Carolina company that does uh, some stuff. Yeah, well, you have like I guess you have APS and you have uh, uh, was it Sky Combat? Um, yeah, Prevalence. Sky Combat's not really a dual thing. They're more of rides only. I don't think they do any kind of checkouts or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a handful. Well, and even like um, APS in in Phoenix and uh, Prevalence on the East Coast, like they're not. I don't know that they do dual train. Like I don't know that if you need an insurance checkout, they would do it in their airplanes. It's more of UPRT and stuff like that. So it's, does it's, Patty do extra checkouts? I don't know. Uh, I don't I know. know. I think if you talk to her, depending on who you were, she probably yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's like a lot of companies that have the two place extras that will do, you know, trading, this and that. But there's, I wonder, I well, wish I'll it was, maybe you. it was just not advertised enough to get like, like come here, start to finish. We'll get you, you know, however long it takes, we'll get you, you checked out. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Um, So with my airplane, um, I mean, I'm in a partnership, so it's a, it's a bit different. And um, I made the uh, decision years and years ago to not even elect to do this out of respect to the partnership of, you know, like giving somebody dual in that airplane and having yeah, uh, you know, some up. guy paying me to beat the airplane up. It's not really fair to a partnership, but, um, you know, to get the airplane to even be insured for that was almost triple of what I pay the insurance for now. And I can give dual instruction in the airplane they just can't land or take off mm-hmm. so uh there's a carve out um but like just to get somebody to do landings in that airplane triple you're talking trip that so i pay uh, it's like 6200 a month or 6200 a month 6200 <laughs> a year yeah 6200 that's 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 outrageous um 6200 a year i think i think it's 6200 a year for the airplane which is pretty reasonable for what it is you know an extra um you know with a quarter million dollar whole value but you're talking fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars to get to be able to teach somebody takeoffs and landings in that airplane, you know, and that's not a flight school airplane. That's not even to rent it solo. So you got to imagine, you know, somebody that's, that's eyeing a flight school to rent. So I like I don't know what Jared and Gambit are paying for insurance. I don't want to know, <laughs> um, but it's not cheap. I, I know that. I know it's not cheap. And yeah, the, and the you're in an area that gets winter. Ohio and I know I just read it's funny you mentioned whiskey tango or whatever it is um up in New York but it's yeah. just, you're losing you're losing some uh some you months of weather yeah Chicago the I wouldn't say yeah yeah but like you're losing a lot like we're still flying now but well, I, you're losing four months yeah I think yeah it's safe but you're definitely February you're you're losing March it's going to be cold so um January that's three yeah you're right like four months and that's that's if you are dedicated enough to want to fly. I, I, I mean, at that point, because, you change the insurance, or you just do what the Warbirds do and drop the insurance over the winter, and just, just do drop, like, drop uh, yeah, you know, haul, I guess, or whatever it is. I don't know, like non-moving. Yeah, keeping the hangar. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, but, um, it's tough. You know, the insurance thing, the cost thing, and and Grant, you know, you um, you mentioned numbers for the SC, and it's like, you know, that's if you can find a used one. I mean, you remember that there, now. I don't know oh, yeah. what the market is right now, but there was that period when you bought yours, right? Like uh, we saw that one in Brazil. There was a couple in France um, that were being sold um, and 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 moved around. There was uh, two or three in the U.S. that were sold, right? Luke Penner bought one. Um, they and those used prices were astronomical. I mean, they were more than new in some cases, right? Now for a new SC. The waitlist is a year or the SX, whatever you want to call, uh, you know, whatever they're selling. The waitlist is a year and they're like 550 grand. 
They're they're approaching six hundred thousand dollars for a new uh, three thirty SC, and the NG same thing. You know, they're they're mid fives, high fives. And that's pending. Nothing crazy happens with the euro. Yeah, right. You know, uh, GB one's the same thing. So it's like, man, I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna pretty quickly here. We're gonna be looking back at four hundred thousand dollars for um, uh, a capable airplane and being like, oh man, remember those days when when they were cheap, right? Well, <laughs> when you can get an airplane for four hundred grand. But oh, what's geez. decathlon running these days? I bet a decathlon oh, crazy. is three fifty. Four hundred. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean it's. But that drove up the used used market because it's like okay, you could pay me two hundred for this used one, or spend another two hundred for a new one. Right. You know, I don't it's know. like just enough. Alon sold his. Um, it's and I the uh the irony is that it's going from Florida to my home airport. Um, so we were talking a little bit. I don't know what he sold it for, but you know his was a fairly new, low time super decathlon and. Um, I, 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 I would venture a guess that I know how much somebody would have paid for that. Um, and it's not cheap no. more than it. It's more than a 300 L is it's more than the nicest 300 L I bet. I bet you that, <laughs> which is a lot of money, you know, on the used market right yeah. now, um, an extreme decathlon, forget about it. You know, it's why they don't make SCs or I'm sorry. That's why it's why they, uh, nobody buys the S2C anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I think extreme decathlons and the S2C, like you're really encroaching on serious money now um, oh, for a not very capable airplane, or at least it's a capable airplane. They're great airplanes, but they they you will outgrow them so quick that I wonder if a lot of people are just like, I'm not even going to bother because I'm only going to have it for two years. And why do it? Yeah. And And schools aren't buying them. I mean, what is what is the hourly cost on a brand new a twenty twenty four super decathlon? What what is the hourly rate going to be on that thing because of the whole value and the insurance? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the thing I mean, is, that's the only thing you can get insurance on, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. they're not going to insure a, a you know a three you know three thirty LX no. or an NG. I haven't seen any NGs at any schools yet. Nope. That's a really no. good point. Um, I, I know Dagmar, I don't know, uh, to what capacity Dagmar uses hers. Um, but it's not, it's not on a school. It's not, no, it's not. I, I haven't seen any, you're right. Yeah. No. And we kind of all were hoping for that, right? Like with the GB one and the NG, it was like that new generation of two seat plus 10 minus 10, right. You know, the, uh, kind of, um, replacing the old 300 L's and 330 LX's. And it, it just, it did not materialize like that at all. Um, we saw it with Tatima, maybe, but those were sold. You know, um, Sean Tucker's team w- was coming up that 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 fizzled during COVID, and then the, uh, there was three of those airplanes or four of those airplanes kind of sitting at Tatima, um, waiting for a job, and and it looked like a little bit of training was going on there with Sean and and a few people. But I've heard I've heard that all those airplanes were sold, and um, I think that school is pr- I think all but all but finished um, from what I'm hearing. So it's like, yeah, where are these schools with these airplanes? It's just, it's just not happening, which is really sad because then you, you kind of think, okay, well, what does five years from now look like? You know, cause we're not training anybody, you know, there's no schools, there's no, there's no incubes to train these people anymore. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is sad, but that's what the market's demanding, right? Because yep. you can go, you can make that work, but it's never going to be profitable, right? Yeah. Because there's not enough people in the U S that are willing to spend 700 bucks an hour to go get dual in an NG yeah. and um, get a checkout when they can, when, when they're starting to learn everything they're going to do in an NG, they can do in a Citabria, you know? Yeah. So yeah. 
yeah, the NG looks really cool. And I love to have the videotape to, you know, have as my screensaver <laughs> work. And there's a certain <laughs> number of people that will spend the money to do that, but not enough to support a school. Yeah. 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 It's gotta be a passion project for somebody that, that, uh, doesn't care about making money or at least, uh, could also maybe care uh, or not care about losing money. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's gotta be a passion project for somebody that has enough money to do that nowadays. It yeah. seems like. And it's good but. too, with like MSU and, uh, UND. And I think we're going to see a spike maybe in a couple of years now, because once they started getting big and they're pushing, you know, those students, I think from the early stages of that program are established now and maybe getting uh financially more secure and might get back into it. I think that, you know, when the college kids come and they fly and, you know, they have to go get real jobs and, and, and make some money. So I think that we should see some type of spike in numbers um, in the yeah, near future from, you know, uh, in nationals, there was that kid that was at the air force Academy in their, on their glider aerobatic team that had the um, uh, S one S that was at nationals this year. Oh, I didn't but, even know. Yeah. 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 There was a, a kid at nationals this year. Well, I say kid, everybody's a kid to me, but he was, uh, he was at the air force Academy and on their glider aerobatic team. And yeah. uh, as soon as he got his commission and got out, he saved up some money and bought an S1 pits. And uh, yeah, he was at nationals this year. Great kid. Yeah. His folks were there and stuff. Yeah. 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 See like that somebody who I would love to talk to, and then also should write an article for sport aerobatics or to like the universe, you know, whatever, like, cause that's but, like but, all these, but, they but look at it and it, it seems impossible and it's not. Hundreds of kids have gone through their a- aviation program or yeah. their aerobatic program. Yeah, and how many yeah. of them have gone out and gotten an airline job and are doing anything with it? Right. Yeah. Because it's just maybe it's just like we said before, where it's like, you know, it just seems, uh, just too too much of a mountain to climb, or, you know, maybe they don't know how, or, you know, they li- don't have the knowledge. Or well, I've been there and done that. Right. True. I, yeah, that's true too. I had to. T-shirt. I had to spend the money to build the time. I might as well do something cool while I'm doing that. I did that. Yep. And now it's like, yeah, that was really cool. I like it, but I can buy a cabin on a lake in northern Wisconsin. Cost <laughs> me to get yeah. back into aerobatics, right? Yeah. No, you're right. Happier than me being gone every weekend. Well, here and yep. here's another aspect too. Like, we're not seeing the. Um, you know, it's interesting talking about young, like you know, I'm, you use the word kid, but it, yeah, like young people, kids coming up. We we had there was an era, you know, like the Nick Neil Myers and um. Um, there was a there was the guy with this the kid with this. I say kid. He was a kid. He was an absolute kid with a Sukhoi. His dad bought him a Sukhoi in Florida. Remember that that guy? Alex he was Mann. he was in Georgia. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, I know Alex pretty well actually. He's up in uh, Alaska flying uh he, flying the bush. Flying the bush. Yeah. Um, he um there was there was a there was several kids like that that you know had had the 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 awesome opportunity of having families that had money but to but, buy okay, them. Hold on. Hold on. Let me put this into perspective for you. The stars of tomorrow, the new oh, kids going to do it. Goody was part of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so Goody, Melissa Pemberton, I, I mean, it, the yep. list goes Shani on. Clayton. Right. Yeah, Jesse Panzer. Uh, Jesse Panzer. A long time ago. Goody was a part of that. Yeah. And let's see. Goody's now a captain at Southwest. He's yep. uh, an orthodontist. And he's a uh, 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 top-level world-class aerobatic yeah. competitor. He's kind of got that natural natural drive, right? He's he's the multi-talent. I'm gonna do yeah. everything. He's a little lazy if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. He could do better. I know he needs to be my personal coach. I've been trying to talk him into that for a couple of years. 
Oh gosh, can but, you imagine but, having Goody? He's so motivating. Gosh, I love that guy. But isn't it interesting? Like <laughs> we saw that it was like that time period, you know, of like early, early two thousands, late nineties, where you you did have some people that were coming up, like, hey, I want to do this. They get an airplane purchased for them, and then there's some talent there, and they're mm-hmm. fostering it. But we're not seeing that anymore. We're not seeing the nineteen year old with an NG Dude, coming through the ranks. If well, they did the stars of them, tomorrow again. Year. Gosh, if I ever got the opportunity to try out for it, I would 100% try to get on that. 1,000%. The Stars of Tomorrow did more for aerobatics than I think Bill Stein, Sean Tucker realized. Uh, Yeah, they're pretty savvy. I mean, I think they understand it. Um, I I wonder why it stopped because they weren't paying the Stars of Tomorrow, right? Nick's crash was probably what really did it. But that was private. Right, um, weren't they training out it with uh, Wayne Hanley, right, Grant, yeah, or something it, like that? It wasn't related. It wasn't during a performance or anything like that. But it, I, from what I was told, it affected. Um, I think it affected Bill Stein really hard. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. To the point where it was like, you know what? No, we're not. We're not going to be involved. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think Eric Tucker wasn't a part of that as well. But like, there were so many people. So dude, many people. David Ellison involved. was on that. Yes, David Ellison was also there. Yeah, a total dude, the fanboy of off. You're talking about. I mean that that created a crop. Look at the the the. I mean, it's really it's a, it's a who's who. You know, they're yeah. all Jesse Panzer still doing air shows. You know, Ellison. Um, you know, he still has his cap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, goodies rocking it. The coaches, they're that all were part of the stars. are all legends. Uh, man, what that was just a really grand. Let's just do it. Let's just put some vinyl on our airplanes and just just do it. And people ask, like, yeah, we're on stars tomorrow. You haven't heard about it? I like it. Yeah, (laughs) stars of today, stars of today, the stars of today. today. Oh my god, but yeah, and, and I think that that I mean, I would. It would I'd be hard pressed to be proven wrong that it, it wouldn't help the air show industry where it's at today. You know, I really I, I think it would give people an opportunity that don't know how to get it, their foot in the door or just are afraid, to, you know, whatever. But I think it, I think it would be great for the industry as far as quality, too. Well, as far as I'm concerned, mentorship is the only way that, you know, successful air show performers have ever come up. There's never been, yeah. a, you know, really a school that's taught you how to be in it air show performer there there's been people that have tried that and had some success but the school always turns into a mentorship right so it's but uh you know wayne handley did my insurance checkout when i bought my cap so i i spent a week out at his place in at pine mountain lodge in uh uh california and uh that was just a fantastic experience and spending some time with him uh and Brittany was out there with me so that that was we really had a lot of fun out there um, but it's the mentorship. And, you know, I grew up with a couple of, uh, small show mentors, if you will, uh, in, in Wisconsin, Minnesota area. And they were both just, Hey, we want to retire and nobody's going to be here to do the little local shows. And there used to be a ton. There used to be probably 15 or 20 small local shows in Wisconsin and Minnesota, Northern Iowa, Northern Illinois, um, every summer. I mean, more than these guys wanted to do anyway. And they were like, hey, we're retiring. There's not going to be anybody to fly these shows. We'd like to work with you. So I spent about two years just going around with them, announcing for them. Um, 
and, and you know, hauling their smoke oil around in a pickup and doing all that kind of stuff and getting to know all the promoters. And then when they finally said, we're retiring, but Grant's got a pits and he's got a low level waiver. Uh, you should hire him. You know, it was kind of a relatively easy transition, Yeah, but you know, spending that time with him was incredibly valuable and, and, you know, a good way to learn and, and figure out the basics and figure out what's important and what's not important. And that, you know, being an announcer is a great thing because you figure out how the average air show spectator, what they like, what they want to see and what they don't care about. And it's, yeah. uh, it's not what aerobatic pilots and competition aerobatic pilots think, you know, it's no. not, <laughs> Oh, that was a fantastic triple tumble. And, you know, they don't care because they all look the same to them. Um, you know, and it's, it's a really good learning experience to go out and do that. But I think all air shows, the mentorship thing is vital. And I guess yeah. tried working that direction. Um, but it's been tough. I mean, because it's a, it's a tight relationship. So you can't say, you know, Hey Jeff, you're going to be this guy's mentor for the next four years. And it's like, well, I don't like him. He's kind of a dick and I don't like the way he, you know, chooses food and, and drinks his beer. And, it, you know, so it's got to be kind of a, a little bit more of a natural thing because you're going to spend so much time and what right. you do is so important. It's, it's hard to have the stars of tomorrow program unless you have the best mentors in the world, which they did, you know, they yeah. had the Wayne Handleys and the, the, you know, the best in the world that were doing it. But, you know, who stuck around? Uh, yeah, Jesse's still doing some shows. Yeah. And, right. yeah, a few people are still out there doing it, but um, not a lot of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely, I mean, I don't know, but just from what I've read and seen and spoken to people that are in it, it's, it's a grind. It's a freaking yeah. grind. You know? Yeah, and you, and you wear um, both hats, you know, a uh, high-level competitor and an airshow pilot. You know, there's, there, you know, you start whittling down the percentage of people that get to say that in the world of aerobatics, right? You know, you have, you know, you, um, obviously Bourbon, Holland, um, and there's a few others, but there's not, it's not like there's 75% of uh, competition aerobatic pilots fly airshows and vice well, versa. No, I mean. Stein flew uh, competition for a long time. You know, he was an Olympic oh, yeah. guy. Uh-huh. And um, Kirby. Yeah, Goody for sure. Yeah, but no, he's Kirby. Not, yeah. Oh, Kirby. Yeah, Kirby's. Yeah, Kirby's. Julian, awesome. of course. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm I'm just talking current crop, you know, of of com uh, competition pilots that are that are actively flying contests. You know, there's not a yeah. ton of airshow pilots no. in that mix. Um, and you know, we've talked to Rob a lot about that kind of, you know, um, I, I guess I'll just I'll just use the the word politics side of of airshows, right? Of you know, the, the breaking your way in, right? Getting your feet through the door and and doing the right things and making sure you're not um, pissing off the wrong people, first of all, but getting the mentorship and you don't know what questions to ask. You don't know what you don't know um, and how uh, how you get the mentorship and how you actually, you know, check all those boxes and do it. That's hard. That's a hard nut to crack. I agree. It is. And, you know, the um, and there's a lot of people that are out there that are willing to help you. You know, you look yeah. at, you know, it's just about universal. Everybody's willing to help you, but learning how to take the help and take the advice and, yeah. and you know, that's hard. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting deal. It's an interesting, uh, when you probably see a lot of people that, that do it wrong in your opinion, right? Like, especially like, you know, you, you have like, 
um, I don't know how you uh, uh, in the air show industry would categorize it, but like, you know, kind of what you were saying about there's a small town, there's the the small town air show pilot. And then there's the, you know, the big time probably, right? Like yep. there's, and there's probably multi tiers to that now where there's somebody yep. that doesn't leave their home state. There's somebody that has a region. And then there's somebody that's, Hey, coast to coast, top and bottom, left and right. I'll be there. I'll be at the foreign shows, whatever. Um, you know, your top rated national and international air show pilots. And um, there's probably, you know, people that you guys see that are, that are, you know, uh, trying to foot, foot their way in and, and doing it wrong. And uh, I would imagine that's ha- a hard conversation to broach of like, hey, we need to sit down and have a little chat, <laughs> you know, like, or, hey, you're, you're, you need to work on this or, or do that. It, it's probably really hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, everybody in aerobatics, I won't even limit to air shows, but everybody in aerobatics is pretty driven. You know, they want to succeed there. Obviously, if they have the, uh, the means to have an aerobatic airplane, they're pretty successful. So they're at least a little bit of a type A personality and it can be hard to temper that and say, no, you know what? It just takes some time. And, um, you know, what, what, one of the things that was really amazing to me was the little air shows pay as much as the big air shows, right? I can go fly in Siren, Wisconsin, in front of literally two or 300 people, and they'll pay me more than Oshkosh will, or Sun and Fun. I mean, neither of those shows yeah. pay. But, yeah, sure. You know, even some of these 60,000 person air shows, the promoters, you know, just don't want to write the check if they don't have to, and they don't have to because they're big shows, so they can get the guys with sponsors because the sponsors want their name in front of big audiences. So yeah. the little air shows in little nowhere Wisconsin will pay the performers as much or more than the big shows. Um, yeah. So there's really kind of a uh, counterintuitive, weird dynamic. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You guys should unionize. Get Jimmy Hoffa involved. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No props turning until proper wages. That's right. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> this is so Drew, what's, what's, um, When is your first show in the SC? Uh, I don't know. I've got to get a hold of uh, whatever ace I'm going to work with. We'll see how the offseason goes. Um, it'll probably be with Patty just because logistically she's so close. Um, I'll go up and fly with her again and get that done. And then um, until I have my my uh, low-level card, I haven't started promoting it at all. Um, Brittany just killed it. While I was at WAC, she built 10 shows to announce. Yeah, that. that's freaking awesome. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> that's yeah freaking she's awesome. doing great. Yeah. yeah so oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, she's doing Fly Iowa. But again, she's doing Fly Iowa, a one-day show uh, over Labor Day weekend. And as soon as she booked that and got the deposit, um, she got the call from Toronto that wanted her to come back up. She did Toronto this year, and they were like, oh, yeah, we want you back. And she was like, sorry, I already signed a contract with someone else that weekend. Um, you yeah. know, what a terrible place for her to be, right? Yeah. That's no awesome. Have. But, yeah, she's, she's doing great. She's just killing it and doing a lot of shows. She's got uh, several shows in our area. Uh, she's got several announcing gigs uh, where she's doing stuff for um, – Live air show TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw her on, uh, for, uh, uh, on TV for Seattle Seafair. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was kind of one of her first ones and, um, she's doing some more of those types of things. 
um, you know, going around and doing the interviews and doing the TV stuff and the the uh, broadcasted stuff. She she also did it at the Stewart Air Show in Orlando. And so she's going to be back there next year. She's going to be in Atlanta. She's going to be up in New York. Um, so, yeah, she'll she'll be doing uh, several. So I'll probably try to ride her coattails and see if I can't. Oh, uh, yeah. Make it to a couple of those shows and, and fly the same shows that she's announcing at. Love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah, you guys are making an awesome team. I really. Yeah. 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 Great duo. Yeah, it's, when did, uh, when did, it's worked out really good. You know, we met through our shows, so it's just kind of a, uh, yeah, one of those things that came naturally to both of us. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, working out great for us. So when does she start wing walking on the SC? <laughs> Hopefully she's not interested in that because I don't need anybody. My, my ailerons are too sensitive. They don't, they don't <laughs> No, we've talked about that. You know, she's soloed and we've talked about the whole flying thing and the whole aerobatic things, but she's killing it so hard with the announcing. And let's face it, she likes to be in front of people. They they can't see her when she's uh she's a little bit of an extrovert. And um oh that's that then that's perfect. Uh, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, like that's a great that's a great venue then. It's great. Uh, I mean, the only thing holding her back is her her real job, you know, which is um, you know, that's why we moved to Florida and did the whole thing and uh um there's limited amount of vacation, right? She's, uh, she's got a real, I mean, she's, she's, she's got her doctorate in higher education and she's the vice president at a university down here. She's got like a real life, real job. That's yeah. And, she's uh, an adult. Yeah. She's a grown up. God damn. Just overachieving. <laughs> I know yeah, So she's, um, she's got to uh, kind of fill that box as well, you know, and, and she only gets so much vacation a year too. And, you know, all these air shows, they're great, but now you're talking about, you know, Thursday, Friday, Monday off for 10 yeah. shows. Well, that's 30 days of vacation. You know, that's a month and a half of vacation. That's most of her, that's her vacation for the year. So, sure, yeah. you know, uh, so it's good that it works for you guys since you're an airship, you know, performer as well. So like, it's, yeah, it's a great dynamic. Yeah. That's really well, cool. Let me ask you this is, um, does that, uh, kind of, I've always been really fascinated with, you know, the, um, the act uh, part of an air show, right? Of you as a brand, you as a person, you having to sell yourself, uh, yourself at ICAST. Um, does it make it easier to have you as a husband and wife kind of announcer performer duo and, and package that? You know, we've never really tried to package it. She's just done her thing. I've done my thing. Um, she just announced for me for a long time and, you know, me and my friends and various people, and then at Sun and Fun a couple of years ago, um, I was talking to Andy Evans, who was uh, coordinating the people, and um, he was talking about announcers. And I said, oh, my wife does a great job. You know, she she would help out. And she came in to announce for me at Sun and Fun, and then she did uh, Kyle Fowler with his Long Easy. And the other announcers were kind of like, well, why don't you stick around? And she ended up announcing every day. Last year, she was on the, yeah, she did the whole week at Sun and Fun. So that was kind of where it took off. And Sun and Fun and Oshkosh, you know, just like the performers, um, the announcers, you know, you spend some time there. Well, all the other air show promoters are there. And if they hear you and they like you, you're going to get a phone call from them. And yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Her thing really kind of took off. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's you got to put, definitely put in the legwork. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, we've got a booth at Oshkosh for ICAST, which is kind of bummed because I'm going to miss the uh, Sebring contest. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's great. So we're there and we meet all of our air show friends and get to hang out with them because, 
you always get to every air show, you get to hang out with one or two of them. But ICAST is where you get to go hang out with all your air show friends. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. It's always a fun <laughs> Vegas adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When is that? That's coming up, right? Yeah, I think it's the third through the seventh of December. December. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um so what are the, so you're gonna sell the cap? Are you gonna are you gonna miss it? Absolutely. Do you I have mean, a buyer lined up? Uh no, I've talked to a few people. Um, you know, what when I got the SC, I got a good enough deal on it where I wasn't sure which one I was keeping. You know, it was the SC is a great airplane, but the cap's a great airplane too, especially with the 580 in it. And the uh I've got the 200 centimeter MT on it. It's uh it's a lot of airplane. And yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sure which one I was keeping. Um for me, I'm gonna keep the extra, but the big reason is for the air show side of things. It's just such a more capable cross-country airplane. And getting to air shows, getting, you know, doing that side of things, it's just way better for that than the cap is. The cap's yeah. just got smaller fuel tanks. It's, it's you know, it's limited in some ways that way. As far yeah. as flying, I don't know. The cap's the cap's an awful lot of fun. It's it's a fun airplane. So. Yeah. Gosh, I, I wish I had, like, get rid of a the lot cap of money. Extra, but I sure love it. But, yeah, it's, it's the cap's a great airplane. Are you selling That's it with amazing. the, uh, you're going to. Put the new motor on the extra, and then um, you're going to put the motor you have on the extra on the uh, cap, right? Yep. Yep. It came off the cap. It's going back on the cap. Nice. Gosh, I got to find a friend here on Long Island that doesn't need to spend that kind of money that can, and for my <laughs> own self purposes. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> can we can we get fifty people together and we'll just we'll just form a, a club with it and just fly? If you can find the insurance company to cover you. I think that's a great idea. Why don't yeah, we just all text? Cap. Let's just text Matt Chapman. Like, get like a hundred people to get on board and just be like, Hey, congratulations on getting another cap. Like glad you're back at the scenes and guilt yeah. him into getting back into aggro. Well, he'll be at ICAP because he's getting awarded the, uh, he's getting into the hall of fame this year. So he'll be at ICAP. Oh, so well-deserved. That's awesome. He's awesome. I love Matt. Yeah. He's been really good to us. I, yeah. do you think, um, you know, you, you, you talked to like David Martin and Goulian and Chapman and like you know tucker and and like the 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 obviously our our you know heroes and legends right um their their little tiffs and like crap talking to each other and and yeah. like you know how they kind of came up and rose up super competitive uh do you, we're not we're not going to have that anymore i don't think i don't feel like we have that anymore you know where you have like rob holland's not dishing out a bunch of crap to uh you know uh, although Gouli well, does give a, him quite a bit of shit. Rob does, but he's got a little quieter personality. Um, but every once in a while, you'll catch him and Jim throwing throwing some interesting comments at each other that are hilarious. <laughs> I mean, hilarious. <laughs> this year at Nationals, don't be afraid of the turn was one of Rob's favorite ones. Because <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, but I think a big part of that in the air show industry is that those guys all grew up competing against each other. Yeah. It's in air shows that grew up in competition now, right? Skip Stewart wasn't a competition pilot. Nope. Um, you know, none of the new guys coming up are really a competition pilots. So you don't have that long-standing aerobatic competition. We've been giving each other a hard time for the last 15 years. I'm not going to stop now. It's a lot of it's fun. A, it's a camaraderie thing. Like yeah. it's all it's it's it, there's a is there's a camaraderie there that just not it's not the same. 
And yep. there's really nobody now in Unlimited that's, I mean, outside of Rob, but um, who's really flying the same airplane in competition. You know, Bourbon, you could say he's an air, but he's, uh, he doesn't need to be, you know, he's got a, he's in the airlines and he's well-established and stuff, but there's nobody that's on a trajectory that's establishing themselves flying competition to go do air shows right now that I, that I could think of. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, um, maybe Brett Lincoln, uh, in advance, yeah, Brett's doing a great job, but in unlimited right now, no. And then, I mean, who knows what Gifford's flying some air shows, but not a lot. Yeah. You know, he's still yeah. West and, and kind of doing those things. Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of retired now. He, he gave up his, but there's job. like, there's nobody putting in the grind. I mean, like, like what Goulian did, what Chapman did building an own airplane, what Kirby did, like every, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that, like no. that, those days are just like that desire that like, nothing's going to stop me. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll burn through whatever I'll go into debt. I don't care. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, cause that, I don't know oh gosh, going into debt. <laughs> i've got a cap and an sc i'm really good at going into debt man yeah, you can't sell that cap you can't sorry grant i know you gotta keep it mark and i are just gonna post so much like untrue stuff about that airplane so nobody wants to buy it and you have to keep it <laughs> perfect check the spar yeah. yeah or maybe you can like supplement payment with like a coach and be like you can when you train me I have this beautiful cat that you can just go fly around with and have fun, but just give me some coaching. <laughs> um, I've already talked to Tommy and Vlad about that. Oh, God. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, well I got to go back to making some pumpkin spice lattes. Um, good for you. Yeah, and working on my back. man, my man bun. Yeah. And for those yeah. that are just listening, um, Jeff just looks. He, I mean, he's he dresses like a coffee shop. If you could just think of what oh, a even coffee got AirPods shop. in. Look at us. See, got yeah, the AirPods I mean, in. If <laughs> a, if you asked Chat GPT to design uh, a human that looked like they were born in a coffee shop, it'd yeah. be Jeff Petroselli right now. I'm just um, missing it. Missing a couple of tattoos, but I'll be good. Yeah, a couple yeah, more we'll, tattoos. <laughs> we'll get you out of here to go sling more PSLs. Uh, Grant, where can people follow you? Um, like and subscribe to you, uh, pay attention to you, book you for um, air shows. GNAirshows.com is our website. Uh, Facebook is uh, Grant Nielsen Air Shows. Instagram is uh, GNAirshows uh, or at GNAirshows. And they're all linked. To, you know, if you find one of them, you you can link to all the rest of them. Um, Brittany does an awful lot of that stuff. She or her Instagram is Airshow Announcer Brittany. And um yeah, so she's got, uh, uh, and she manages most of my social media presence now. Not because I don't like to. She just says I'm not good at it, so she took it away from me. Like our third date, she fired me from my own social media. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what? But it's my company. I'm the air show guy. She's like, yeah, you're doing it wrong. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, <man. laughs> it's like the Eddie Murphy skit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Grant, we, dude, we can't thank you enough for coming on. It's way overdue that uh, we, you know, it's been too no, long. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate yeah, it. You'll be back. All your coverage of uh, of the whack. It was really good to be out there and it was uh, good having you out there. It's it is a bummer about the video coverage, but um, in the future, we'll work on it. And I think the first step is let's let's keep pushing uh, at nationals and make sure that Forrest keeps doing the wonderful job yes. he does every year there. 
and uh, you know, keep improving that. You know, the last three years, it's gotten better and better every year. Let's keep yeah. doing doing that, and eventually, they're going to see that that's a really valuable part of the sport. Well, and, and, and like the feed, there, there were some feed issues at nationals, but the uh, production value was exponentially increased in, in yes. terms of, I mean, it looked like sports coverage, yes. you know, um, and I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I would absolutely pay a hundred dollars for a week pass to watch nationals. I'd probably pay more, honestly, if I couldn't make oh, it, absolutely. I, I would probably pay more than that. So I think, you know, to recoup costs of production and time and resources, I don't know why the IAC wouldn't do something like that. And then, um, you know, Forrest is just incredible. Yeah. He yeah. does a fantastic job. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, we'll let you get going. Cause we know you have a, uh, you have a kind of a short little hop over to London tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. I got a buzz over there in a couple hours. So I suppose I should, uh, make sure my iPad's charged. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks a lot, Grant, and uh, have a good flight. And we'll uh, we'll get you back on the podcast soon. To, to uh, when your when your cap is for sale, we'll have you back on to to give the sales pitch. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Grant. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. <laughs>